You don't need a reservation to join the hottest dinner party in Hollywood. Eating Out with Eric and Steve is the podcast that lets you in on the fun. Join longtime friends Eric McCormick and Stephen Weber as they welcome celebrity guests to share a meal and never-before-heard stories from their careers in entertainment. So come hungry and get ready to laugh. Check out these clips from the first episode with LeVar Burton and Richard Kind. Oh, I'll tell you, you want to hear the loneliest, saddest Christmas That's why we're here. Ever? That's why people tune in. <laughs> <laughs> you, can eat, you, you, can, you can read with a salad. You can't read with hot You can hot, read with a salad, food. but not There's with a sandwich. There's something sad about reading with Not with food. ribs. You cannot no, read with ribs. How's this going? Is this what you want? <laughs> this is, is this good? Po- is this podcast fodder? I huh? think. I think this oh. is what America oh. wants. <laughs> and these clips with Brian Cranston and Julie Bowen. She said, "Please, I don't care as long as you're talking about me." It's cool. <laughs> she doesn't care at all. That's so good. And and at the end when I sing. Thunderball! I sort of stand apart, and two orbs that have that have been clenching in my my ass kind of drop down. People have shown me tattoos of my face on all parts of their bodies. <laughs> Who in the cast resented your direction? My voice is wobbly at best, even when milked. <laughs> Subscribe now and join the table for a delicious and entertaining conversation. We're eating out with Eric and Steve. Forgive me for the evil I have done you. My mother drove me to it. It was done against my will. This is The The Grimcast. Grimcast. Welcome back to The Grimcast. Oh, today we are talking about Season 1, Episode 17, Lovesick. And our guest today is the brilliant, the talented, the funny, my favorite human on the planet, Miss Claire Coffey. That's me. This is you. You're the guest today. That's me. Oh, my gosh. Aw. Oh, I'm so excited because this was such a good episode. I feel like I need to put on the character of Claire Coffey circa 2012, which is a totally (laughs) different human being. I know we've talked about this before, but I was even like, was I putting on a voice? Was that like a character choice? (laughs) Or was that just my voice back then? Before the world crushed me? Before the world. I mean, <laughs> hey, I'm in the same boat. I don't know whose voice. Rosalie is just so panicky in this episode. She is just really freaking out. She is like, really? <laughs> really breathing heavy in this episode. Like, I don't know who that is either. I remember all this so distinctly because I did not know what they were doing with my character. And I was really, I have done so many of these types of roles in my career up to that point of just, you know, oh, it's recurring. And if the pilot gets picked up, you'll be made a series regular or like you're coming on for a guest star, but then slowly kind of like titrating more of me throughout the season. But I don't know. So when they booked this one and the one before, I got a raise. Yes, you did. I went back in my emails because I was looking for call sheets and stuff. And all of the conversation with my agents about, I was getting a raise. We were shooting this during pilot season. So it's like me sending all these emails to my agent. Like, can you check on that project? And what about that? Did we hear anything on that? Can we just the psychotic self loathing of an actor over email, you know, in the instances of just like, someone give me an answer for something somewhere. I really remember this episode because I was just starting to like 
like you were my son. And I was just starting to like circle, like I was getting closer to Claire Coffee. I really wanted to be friends with Claire Coffee. I was like, I'd oh been God. there for a month at this point, and I was like, when can I just be next to Claire Coffee? We were in the hotel together, and we were two ships. And I'm like, yeah, just kept really seeing you ships. walking home from Whole Foods. I was like. I see her walking home from Whole Foods, <laughs> and I want to say hi, but I remember you were going back and forth a lot. Like I'd shared in my episode, you know, just because of the voodoo of all the baloney of the business, like I had kind of settled in a little bit. Like I knew I wasn't going back to LA. So I kind of was yeah. like, okay, I'm here, and I'm just going to be here for a minute. But I remember you really scrambling all over the place because you were such an integral part of this whole series. And yet you weren't a regular yet. So it was a really kind of a strange position. And everything was booking very last minute. And I remember feeling edgy and like kind of upset that, can they just let me know? But this also, by the way, lasted until the end of the series, because even when I was promoted, <laughs> it was for seven of 10 or 10 of 30, some fractional series regular where like I never quite knew if I was going to be in the next episode. And I think my agent or like I was on hold for some other thing. And Donna like flipped out to my agent because she was like, well, I think we need her. And of course, you know, that dance of the agent trying to be like, well, then you got to pay. They're like, well, I don't know. Maybe she's not available. Exactly. Maybe she's over at Grey's Anatomy this week. I don't know. You better guarantee <laughs> her. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Oh, God. And it is funny too thinking. So I was 32. Really? 31. 32. I was born in 80. Yeah. 32. Almost 32. Okay. Which I was thinking like, that is kind of the, so your 10 year mark in LA of like, okay, this is the shit or get off the pot kind of thing. It's like, if you haven't left to do something better by now, dummy. But there always seems to be a flurry that like late 20s age range, which now I'm like very clearly aware of because being in your early 40s is very different from being in your late 20s. But it's like, you do feel that energy of like, where am I going to land? And so this, I think, was the beginning of that. Then I found emails from uh, Kyle Elliott, do you remember? And some of the producers of just like 117, it's turned out so well. You're going to be so happy with it. It looks so great. Oh, my God. There are so many things about this episode. Yeah, there's so many career things about this episode. Let's read the synopsis. We're getting ahead of ourselves because okay. we're just too excited. Because you're so good in it that we have to get deep. Oh, jeez. I am going to read the dramatic episode synopsis. Thank you. I just saw the Oscar, so I'm going to do it in my really bad Irish accent. <laughs> <clears throat> Nick and Juliet join Hank for dinner, where Nick discovers Hank's mystery date is none other than, I don't know, where am I now? Adeline. You're in Australia now. Now I'm Australian. The same Hexen beast who tried to kill Aunt Marie... Meanwhile, Captain Renard takes matters into his own hands when a visit from foreign representatives of his royal bloodline, now more of a Dick Van Dyke and Mary yeah, Poppins, now you're back in England. bloodline threatens his position. Elsewhere, Monroe and Rosalie are called into action and get really kind of awkward together, right? That's some awkward behavior. When the lives of Hank and Sergeant Wu hang in the balance. Did anyone keep up with that? You took us on a real uh, international Oscars. Um, <laughs> I had forgotten that I lost my powers so early. Me too. <laughs> In my mind, this happened season three. Me too. This was a huge episode. Okay. First, let's start with the keys. The keys. Okay. The keys show up 
and they mean business now. They're like, the keys got a raise in this episode. Yeah. The keys talk to the keys agent and they're like, you know what? I'm tired of being in episode one with Aunt Marie. I'm ready to show up and get a bigger trailer in this episode. But for anyone who's watched the series or is going to watch the series or is watching the series with us, like these are a very critical element of the show. So pay attention to all the little details that the writers and the creators are giving you starting now. It did feel, though, that it was all of a sudden like, oh, we got to bring those keys back. <laughs> We're going to bring them back right now. Give them a music cue and have Nick just like, right, the keys. Nick was a little frantic in the trailer. I was like, bro, chill out a little bit in that trailer. You're knocking everything over. <laughs> so the keys, which if everybody harkens back to Donna Rosenstein's episode with my audition, which was about the keys and my first lines about the keys. And then it's like they come back because now we're having this whole backstory about everything that I'm doing is to get the keys to repay this debt that my mother owes. But really, I'm just doing it because of, oh, captain, my captain. So Jessica Tuck, who was just the most fun to work with, could not have been better casting. It was great. First of all, Adeline's mommy issues are like really on hyperdrive. Yeah. She's got to go get to her shrink immediately. Yeah. Everything makes a lot of sense with what's going on here. This tracks, I would say, with everything that Adeline has done so far that she would have these mommy issues. Had you met Jessica before? No. This was the first time I'd met Jessica she was just so cool. Like, she was very chill. I loved her take on it because it's, um, <laughs> I love when Graham just gets really on the nose about the fairy tales and just <laughs> all the little mirrors. <laughs> I love when Adeline, every time you smile at yourself in the mirror, it like fills me up because it's so weird. <laughs> it's so creepy. All the vanity and all the shiny objects, I mean, I've loved Jessica Tuck. I loved her in True Blood. She's got a really cool, like you said, a really cool approach to playing these kind of could have been more stereotypical villain characters. Like she's got a really grounded, just like she throws it away in such a way that is really nice. Yeah. It's like she's born with it. It's that thing of like when you come from money and you can't fake that sort of confidence or like stillness of just having no consequences for your actions because there's no money to fix it. It's that. She just like has that going on underneath all of this. And it was so just gnarly watching Renard and Mommy and Adeline. Like I was really cringing. Sexual menage a trois. Yeah. It was really, really, really bad. <laughs> really good and really bad. I remember the leeches. Were those CGI or were those prosthetic? No, those were made of. Or were those real leeches? Because what they did to you, I would also <laughs> say, oh yeah, they gave you real leeches, Claire. <laughs> they gave you everything else. <laughs> no, I would really like at this point in my life, like I wonder if that will work. I wonder if that's what I need just to circulate my blood. Forget that red laser Bitsy's trying out. Yeah. No, grabs no, leeches, leeches from the river. <laughs> so have you ever gone fishing or fly fishing? Yeah. You know, the fake worms? Oh, yeah. Like the gummy? Like the gummy worm. They were like that. Oh. Well, how did they stick to your face? I think it was like spirit gum. It was red when I took it off. It was not super pleasant. Not the worst thing that happened to me. Oh, did they give you the removal? What's it called? Yeah, it was like the spirit gum remover. Yeah, okay, real quick. One year in college in Halloween, I went as Steve Prefontaine, 
this was when the Jared Leto pre was really popular. I gave myself the handlebar mustache with the spirit gum. Like I went down to the Hollywood costume on Hollywood Boulevard and bought the real stuff, but forgot to buy the remover. Oh, God. And then when I got home at like the end of the night. Oh, God. I ripped it off. And then I gave myself a real handlebar mustache of raw skin. That's awful. That did not look good. So you got to get that remover, guys. I can't believe you don't have a scar. I That's know. awful. <laughs> no. Anyway, so they obviously had the proper remover. But was the blood CGI or was that? That was makeup. Yeah, it looked good. I just remember sitting, I think it was JoJo. We were just sitting in the chair for a long time applying and laughing. Claire, I remember specifically this episode. Now I'm going a little bit to the end, but when we come to Adeline's apartment at the end. By the way, different apartment. Okay, right? So this is the apartment that I was remembering from the cookies. Absolutely different apartment. Like it's in the Pearl. Mm -hmm. You know what? That was over near the Safeway, like on that side of the Pearl. I'm going to tell you why I remember it was near the Safeway. Is because that exterior night shot, first of all, I think this is a little bit of the birth of the Scooby gang, the Monroe, Nick, Rosalie trio. Yes. All that started popping in this episode, but there was a quick shot, that exterior shot coming into your apartment when Monroe's talking, like blabbering, which is such a funny little line. That's the night I found out I was pregnant. <laughs> oh, whoa. That's so funny. Yeah, that night because I went to Safeway. And you got a pregnancy got test a from pregnancy Safeway. Test. <laughs> That was actually Valentine's Day. Wow. And then surrounding the green room of your apartment, our green room was somewhere else. And I remember this because it was the first time we were on set together. We weren't working together, but we happened to overlap in scenes. And you had on those tight Lululemon black leggings you wear in this episode. Yes. And I remember... You walking in and we were in this tiny little room in some sort of weird high rise right there. And maybe I had come to work to do something very quick, but you had like had done like a full night of work. You know, you came in and you had like done your work and you were going to go home and I was coming in for a quick shot. But you walked in and maybe it was Alexandra or somebody handed you those leggings. Yeah. And I just remember look, (laughs) I mean, everyone knows Claire is a very petite woman. She's a very petite, tiny, beautiful woman very powerful, very petite. And I didn't quite understand how petite you were until I looked at those Lululemon <laughs> leggings. And I was like, does that say X, 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 S? Like, I was like, what? <laughs> but I'm like, damn. My diminutive stature is on display in this episode. I'll never forget that moment. <laughs> because also... The leggings and the whole getup and the boots. I'm short. But like you're very proportioned though. I'm average height. I'm five four. Like I'm not five foot. I'm five four, but I appear four nine. <laughs> Do you not appear four nine? And especially in this episode where I feel like my boots, which are ankle boots, look like they go up to the lower ass region. Like everything feels very crunched. In me watching myself, because then when you see my stunt double, who this woman, Cassandra, I was like looking her up again because she was so good. She doubled me, I think, for the whole series also. But her body where you're like, oh, yes, this is a body that we would believe would be able to scale mountains and (laughs) fly from trees. And then there's just like my doll sized (laughs) fourth grader body. 
trying to like walk away from the stairs in a huff. Uh, oh God. I can't believe you. So wait, did you take the pregnancy test on set? No, no. That was very late when we did that shot. It was like the last shot of the night, that exterior oh my shot. God. And it was very late. That's so wild. I was really, really stunned. Anyway. So David Solomon directed this episode, who was fantastic. And I think she did a bunch of Buffy. Yeah, he did. I remember just feeling like he was such a feminist and he loved really amplifying the badass woman he was just always looking for angles to make it just like more powerful. But that scene in the restaurant, which is actually the real Brasserie Mountain. Yeah, that's right downtown. Uh-huh. But I remember being so intimidated by Bitsy because this is the first time I had worked with Bitsy. And that thing she does when she talks about the scarab beetle on her forehead with the cat. Yeah. I remember thinking like, oh my God, she's so natural. She just does it. Clicks in, does it, walks away. Like she's so natural and comes up with this stuff and it seems so easy. She was very easy in that exchange. Yeah. Actually, I love the way she quickly went to Nick about, good job. <laughs> He's like, she talks about, good job. Yeah. Good, job. Good, good for you. You've been listening. Good for you. I was like, Nick, you are really acting like an asshole here. Yeah. Like you, yeah. Like He's you. really... <laughs> You are making this double date very uncomfortable for everybody around you, and you need to go collect yourself. He was really losing his cool at the restaurant, yeah. and I thought that was really fun. I love the stuff down in the stairwell. It reminded me of that moment in the B episode when he has you in the hotel room, yeah. and, and you guys are across from each other. Anytime you mess with him, you know, when you're just like a brat and you just want to mess with him. It is so much fun. Yeah, I really liked that stairwell scene. David was really fun to work with because he's so funny. But he's also so funny, so you have to know what you're doing. Like, you have to be on your game because he breaks and he will try to make you laugh. Oh, yeah. Did I ever tell you about this one episode coming up? I think it's season two. I was the first one into some trailer, not our trailer, but like another person's RV and it's David, Silas, and me, and I'm the first one in. He put, like, lotion on the doorknob. So when I grabbed it, and it was the end of the night. Oh my God. And, like, a one shot, and, like, you could not. <laughs> oh, I remember hearing about this. You had to keep going. The camera started really tight on me. Oh, my God. And I felt the handle, and I felt this, I didn't know what <laughs> substance was on my hand. And I had to just, like, <laughs> clench my butthole. It's just, like. That's only season two. <laughs> and I didn't know David well enough at this point. And especially like when you're not a series regular, when it's not your show, you're just really like, I'm, I don't want to bother anybody. That's it. <laughs> you and I were still in that place at this part of the show. Yeah, yeah. And then the scene in the forest where you can tell that that first shot was actually our last shot of the night because you can see the blood that makeup has tried to wipe away. I actually noticed that. But that fake blood, if anyone's ever worked with this, it just stays. It's that really gross gel, kind of tacky, sticky. Yeah, yeah, that's not coming off. And so I was really just like, oh, yes, this is the last shot of the night after we'd done everything. And being out there in the tent and trying to get my, I'm sure there were lots of conversations about my hair and trying to get the hair dryer and we didn't have enough time to blow dry and straighten. and Well, also it was misty as heck out there. It was I misty, mean, frizzy. Was that in Forest Park? Yeah. I don't remember it being very far, so it must have been. That's a pretty iconic scene. I mean, I like you. I kind of forgot that such an important, important scene happened so quickly in the series. But like, 
That is so memorable, the two of you in that kind of gladiator like pit, you know, surrounded yeah. by. I mean, it was so beautiful out there. I mean, we got to get Bruce Lawson on. I know. I'm excited for Bruce to come on. You don't even understand all the depths that you see in those big forest scenes. Like those are like floating orbs and everything is so invisible. And they're just basically just highlighting the natural beauty that you don't have to do anything to. But the way it's lit, I mean, lighting is so important. It basically makes your TV show look like shit or look amazing. It does. It makes the forest all of a sudden feel so dangerous. And it felt like everything was kind of creeping in on Uh what was happening. And then I had to do this thing where when Adeline's powers kind of come out, I remember doing that move because they were tracking that to redo it for CGI's bill. I mean, Claire is a highly trained actress and it basically could do anything she wants, like any genre, any medium, Claire can do it. I got to say the subtlety of the way you played out this episode of like the increasing desperation and fragility that Adeline, like it's such a beautiful device to bring your mother in because it's family that's going to like start to crack you open and start to expose your vulnerability. Yeah. The relationship between Catherine and Adeline was like so clear because you're both such good actresses, but so clear from the moment you guys step. I mean, that is such a funny, that is such a great, when you come in ready to like kill her in your apartment and that whole exchange of like, another this whole thing, but you know exactly who these two are and the dysfunction of the relationship. And then I got emotional at the end of the episode. I genuinely felt bad for Adeline. Like she's been a pawn. She's been used. She's just a product of a terrible mother, like mommy dearest level. It's not her fault. And the thing is, it's like, this is where technique and experience, like not that you knew where this was going to go because we more than established that no one ever knew what was happening with this. We just get scripts and they're like, okay, cool. But when you go back in time, Everything you have done up to this point makes so much sense. It was a good guess, I think. I think I got lucky. Knowing where you go in the series, like the complexity of, yeah, you're a really powerful, powerful player, but you're young and you're a little inexperienced too. So like that was, I think, as like a hex and beast, like such a cool thing to sort of show like how age and like how old your mother is. She's like 500 years old or whatever the hell, like, you know, Yeah. spoiler alert, sorry. But like seeing you in that way, I just thought it was really beautiful work. I loved it. That's so nice for you. I really felt like I got lucky because I felt like it was a good guess, but I think it was coming from the point of, you know, nobody's pure evil for evil's sake unless you're a true psychopath. But even then, like there are things that you- Everyone's born a baby. (laughs) Yeah, so trying to figure out why she's doing what she's doing or why this is, or it's like, well, she clearly has zero self-esteem and she has uh, zero self-worth, but not really knowing where that came from. And then getting this gift of like, oh, this relationship with your mother and then the captain. And whereas like, oh, you thought she was evil. She wasn't evil. She was like trying to figure out who she was and kind of she had this carrot being dangled. And then she really becomes evil because then it's like she's been scorned and now she feels like she has no one. So like everything that comes on the heels of this later. It's origin story stuff. Yeah. We're like, oh, now, now she's really got some 
I guess, ammunition. Just makes her more dangerous even without her powers. Oh, yeah. You walking away and how did they get that door to shut? That's the time I'm like, movie magic. That was Brady like standing by. Oh my God. I'm so glad you brought up Brady because I'm like, see, David, Brady, our set deck props and prop yeah, masters. Oh my God. Carly, our graphic does. I mean, there were so many people. Like, this was the beginning of my intimate, intimate relationship with the props department because Spice Shop is like full of the juiciest, juiciest props. Those words, too. I remember <laughs> the Rotten Gruen, Essig Blasa, and um, what was that? Oh, God, now I can't. What's the third one? Oh, I was having a little PTSD when I was hearing me. I was, too, because I remember when they were written down, and between this episode and the one that comes before, of you just saying crazy words. Crazy words. And also, you know, it's kind of fun when you think about, like, the origin of these characters. I think that's why this episode was sort of a sleeper for me. I was like, wait, this is a really important episode. Yeah. And we're seeing a lot of subtle details in this episode that are really giving you a lot of information about who these characters are. And I remember thinking about Rosalie. I mean, this was a little bit of what I built for the character, but these early Rosalie episodes when she's like now suddenly thrusted into being like the resident expert on magic and, you know, saving the dayness. Because I remember, and I talked about this on my episode where because I didn't have a lot of information, I just was given that 115 script and then I kind of had to like extrapolate my own personal backstory and that's just what your job is, right? That I decided that Rosalie came from a very powerful line of apothecaries, right? Like healers and apothecaries and medicine people. But she was kind of the black sheep of the family. Like You'll find out later I go and have this whole other life for a moment before you meet me. But this is all the stuff I was kind of trying to anchor myself. But I decided that Rosalie doesn't really know what she's doing, <laughs> right, in the beginning. That's great. Like, I'm just now thrust in this position. I'm now the legacy of something that I don't really, like, talk about lack of self-confidence. I remember choosing to really remember that, like, I'm not really confident. Because then where do you have to go? This is good. Well, also, that helps so much with what you were being given. You know, the thing of, like, just use your circumstances, which is, like, you get this job. You don't really know what it is. You have to just roll with it. And that's such an interesting, smart layer to be working against all the time because that's your secret. Like, they can't know yeah. that that's what you're going through. Right. I mean, that helped anchor my purpose. Yeah. Because then it's like, well, what the hell is my point here? You know, other than having a cool set to come to. But I remember, though, this was the beginning of all those insane words rattling off a ton of information. But <laughs> I actually didn't start doing this until way later because obviously I was new. But Carly, our graphics designer, should all our graphics, our art and everything, the beautiful pictures you see in the books. But like the books on top of the keys, uh, the books yeah. become this critical device, right? The big books in the spy shop were all the answers in. And like, I mean, to a certain point, I was like, okay, how can I hold this book and scan these words differently after like, you know, the 90th episode? But at a certain point, I had asked Carly, because some of those days were just crazy with the amount of words I had. She only did this once <laughs> and I kept it. She put my whole script into the book, like my lines, 
like full Brando style. Oh, but wow. in the font of yeah, the actual that's book. That's genius. Yeah. What a quaint. She gave me a solid. That's like real soap opera style. That is so genius. You know, I was nursing Dean. She was just like doing me a solid. That's so funny. But also then then the books became more, you know, you get these sides. When you show up on set for the day, you know, you're like, okay, I'm going to do scene seven. You can't learn them much earlier than when you get on set because most of the time they change. Lines change. You can't be too married. Yeah. All those books had stuffed with teeny baby oh, sides all through those books. That's so great. <laughs> everyone grabbing their sides from my books. Like everyone, these are my books. You put your baby <laughs> sides somewhere else. These are where my baby sides go in my books. <laughs> oh, man. So the other big thing of this episode that I had also forgotten was this is when Reggie is just eating props. Honestly, I was gagging the whole time. We thought maybe Reggie wouldn't mind talking to us about what he was eating. Hello. Hi. You're on with Bree and Claire. How are you? Thank you so much for doing this, Reg. We were like, wait, we have to get the man who ate all this stuff onto the phone because we were about to get into how just gag-inducing for me. Something about that chapstick really bummed me out. Yeah. Reg, can you talk about your technique for <laughs> mouthing the chapstick to make it look like you're eating part of the chapstick? What was the prop? How did you toss that back? Oh, my God. First of all, props to the prop people. <laughs> Because that chapstick, it was like gummy bear material on the inside. So what the wax usually is, is gummy bear material. And then the outside was chocolate. Mm. I tossed it back. Oh, my God. On food. That's amazing. Yeah. Coins were chocolate with like a silver kind of edible outside. The carpet was coconut. <laughs> the carpet was coconut. Wait, what else did I need? The couch was pound cake. What about paper clips? The paper clip. <laughs> <laughs> that was one where they were like, okay, eat it, then we'll cut away, and then you'll swallow it, and you'll take it out. Oh, my God. Oh, did you have like a little barf bucket in between tanks? Can I tell you how dry pound cake can be? Because <laughs> when I was eating that couch... I was going to gag because I had so much. They were like, just keep eating more. Just keep eating more. So oh. I kept eating more. But oh. it was so dry that I could not swallow it. So it was like fully in my mouth. Oh, my God. Reggie, I am laughing because you and I, we are so close now. And I just laugh at like between the zits on your face scene and then me coming in to save you, sticking that weird device up your nose and you're in your boxers. And it's like, oh, hey, my name is Bree Turner. Nice to meet you. Uh <laughs> <laughs> that day, I just rewatched this this morning. When you spit the rug into my face, <laughs> I will never forget that because the camera was like acting as you and you were like jammed next to the camera. And then you literally spit it at my face and they had to cut away so fast because I was about to break. <laughs> Wait, there was a piece that like flew into the air or something, like a piece of carpet. Wait, can I tell you? Okay, so the carpet right before, because I think you guys come like barging in, right? Yeah. It's so funny because I'm in my living room right now with kind of almost exactly the same white shag carpet that I was <laughs> over there. But so they said, okay, so the carpet is coconut, but it was like interspersed with shag carpet. And I think, oh, yeah. like, I don't even know like where it is. I can't tell. So I'm just going to go for it. 
Oh my God, Reggie. Oh man, you went for it. You were very committed. I went full on method, man. That's when I really fell in love with you. I was like, look at this maniac just like <laughs> that shack. Oh my God, it was so amazing. It was so feral, Reggie. Oh yeah. But your face was so calm. Like your face was just so unfazed and your body was doing the most like insane feral things and the combination of it you just bought into so quickly. (laughs) Your sense of comedy and timing, it's like stone cold killer level because like you don't even see it coming. And like just even the way you popped the first bit of chapstick in your mouth, like with Claire said, like just doing it every day. And like that's a really hard thing to pull off. (laughs) I had to literally go back and figure out like why I had pica because this ended up being pica, right? Yeah, yeah. And Claire, it's the cookies. It's the cookies, yeah. The freaking cookie. <laughs> yep. It was because I ate Hank's cookies. But wait a minute. Okay, so going back to the rug thing, when I did it, like I said, I couldn't figure out what was carpet and what was coconut, so I just did it. After we did it, during that scene, I had full-on rug burn in my cheek. Oh, God. Stop it. Because I had so much carpet in there. Oh, my (laughs) God. And convulsed. Remember that? Oh, my God. No, they were kicking your butt in that scene. I remember that. I was like, this poor man. I mean, first of all, I remember particularly freezing on set because it was February. And you were like in your boxers. You're convulsing. You're on the ground. You're eating rug. I mean, they really threw you on that one. I forgot the lines that were like something David says, something like, oh, what are you doing? And I said, I'm eating. And then he says, what are you eating? And I'm like, carpet. (laughs) And it was just like, no big deal. Just like steak. You have that weird maniacal laugh after, which was such a great choice. Was it a choice? I think it just occurred. It's so delightful. Okay, this is what I signed up for. (laughs) You have to be really careful about that stuff, too, because when the writers be right, they don't know unless you really make a big stink about it. They don't know if something is taxing, really, or like what it's, you know, costing you. (laughs) So I feel like Reg with a lot of they just kept upping the ante until someone was enough of a brat about what was being asked. But this is a very high bar to start from in terms of actor abuse. I know, right? Well, Jim Calp was like, you know what? We have to like put you in some turmoil. And I literally was like, because I'm so just used to describing crime scenes. Oh my God. Crime scene. And then suddenly it went from zero to 60 in like one episode. Oh my God. I was eating carpet and listen, it was a lot of fun. Oh, you clearly had a lot of fun. When was your first episode? How many episodes previous to this one was the first one? For Rosalie? Yeah. This was my third. This was your third. Yeah. So I was still pretty new in terms of integrating, but I'm starting to feel more comfortable in this episode of just hanging out. But I remember very specifically your apartment because that was on stage one. We had a few scenes in your apartment this first season. Yeah. I was so happy when I got an apartment. (laughs) (laughs) I always love seeing Wu's apartment with your like really cute mid-century walnut furniture. (laughs) All my cat figurines. Mid-century cat figurines, yeah. Yeah, Wu definitely had the best taste, I would say, of any of our apartments or houses. 
Wait, planted? No, I never went into your house, did I? No, we realized Adeline's apartment kept switching it keeps around. changing because the one I had in the cookie one, that was like a craftsman in Irvington. And then now I'm in a townhouse in the Pearl by the streetcar. Then I'm in a high rise. Well, but I go to Vienna. I mean, I lose my lease, you know, things happen. But maybe we never see Hank's apartment. No, we see Hank's apartment when he's sleeping and you're in the shower and he's having oh, that like right, sexy right, right. dream. The bedroom, right, yep. Yep, you yep. never see Rosalie. Right. Right. I stay at my brother's house in the first episode, but then oh, that's great. I just like move in with Monroe. Yeah. Yeah. That was quick. <laughs> There's so many suggestive looks in this episode and then the one before this and like so many references to sexual performance enhancing potions and things. And it's like, oh, yeah, they're going to move right in. This is... It's a little cringy. We all see where this is going. Yeah. Can I tell you, this was the episode that right after this episode, Nate Snell from Pips <laughs> messaged me and asked if they could make a donut out of my character. Oh, so all of this pica got you a donut deal. It was all worth it then. It got me the donut deal. That was worth it. There you go. We'll end on that note. Oh, my God. Well, thank you, Reg. Thanks, Reg. Oh, you're so welcome. Anytime. Have a great, great, great day. And uh, talk to you later. Bye. All right. Love you, babe. Bye. Bye. You know what I also noticed in terms of the Rosalie Monroe, adorable, awkward, geeky, Mm -hmm. early love? I also remembered this is when I had yet to be corrected in ADR that his name is not Monroe. Monroe. It's Monroe, well, not Monroe, which I say in this episode. I wrote a note because Silas says Rosalie, Rosalie, and you say Monroe. It took like, I don't think I even corrected it till season two. Oh, that's so cute. They finally in ADR had to like go back and have ADR is when you go and you loop lines that maybe there was a truck going by exterior or you just say the name wrong, which is pretty critical. But okay, fair is fair though. Like if no one is correcting you on set, like that is not <laughs> on you, my friend. Monroe, hand me the book. Monroe. <laughs> do you say Marilyn Monroe or do you say Marilyn Monroe? I say Marilyn Monroe. But you know, I have some weird, we're both from Northern California. Yeah, I know there's some weird barrier things. I also say milk. Yeah. I have a flat, flat, eh, eh, eh sound. I also have a slight, which you probably can hear in this podcast because I'm too relaxed. I have a slight speech thing that I've had to work my whole career to not make noticeable. Now everyone's going to hear it. I'm not going to even say it because then it's going to be the only thing you hear. But it's my INGs. What my mouth wants to say is like, you have such a beautiful voice. You must be a really good singer. Yeah. Like that's what my mouth naturally wants to say. But you know, After much training, I now say singer. Look at that. Oh, that sounded so beautiful. Just rolled off your tongue right there. Singer. (laughs) It's taken me 25 years. You know what, though, Brie? It's what makes you you. (laughs) These are the things you have to celebrate, punctuate. (laughs) Nobody else talks like you do. (laughs) For Rosalie and Monroe. Well, I love this episode. I love this episode for you. I love this episode. There is a question on here about did I know if I was coming back? And I didn't. And then I got an email that I was coming back. Were you crying because you thought your job was over when you walked away? I did. I thought my job was over and I had booked a pilot and I was trying to move to New York. 
you know, they keep you by the short hairs. I don't know if you noticed in the end of 115 when I say I might move back to Seattle. We'll just see how this goes. That was basically like, let's see how this actress really plays with ratings. And then we'll see if we want to bring her back. You know, we choose this. Like, we do. We choose this path. But it's never not like this. This was fun. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did because yeah. we clearly really like this episode. Thanks for listening to Be Continued. 